Welcome to Scripps Talks. Today we have Mallory Sullivan joining us from Dallas, Texas. Mallory's a graduate of the School of Journalism from not too many years ago, although it's probably more than uh, than I ever remember. Mallory, thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Tell me about the last time you were in Athens. How long ago was that? Honestly, the last time I was in Athens, I think it was just a few years ago. I worked at the Cincinnati Enquirer for three years before coming to Dallas. I was down there helping a couple of my colleagues report on a really big project that they ended up releasing. It was called the Sex Talk about sexual assault on campus. And so that was the last time I visited. It was for a work thing, but I still got to do some fun things like go to the Union and go to Casa. Of course, I have to hit up all those places while I'm there. Well, as you know, all of these places are sort of buttoned down right now. Tell us about life in Texas. What's going on there? Um, How is the COVID-19 pandemic being treated among Texans? Coming from Ohio and then living here, like watching watching Ohio kind of be a leader in all of this and then like living in Texas and like living in our own state. In North Texas, because the governor, Governor Greg Abbott, he has just, because we have so many counties that haven't experienced any cases yet, he hasn't opted for a statewide shelter in place or stay at home uh, order. Um, instead, he's left the cities to their own devices, basically. So we are currently under a shelter in place. We have been under a shelter in place or stay at home order since Governor Abbott told us that he is leaving the cities to their own devices. It came hours after that, and everybody was kind of like, what does this mean? Like, can I go outside? Can I go to the store? We've been trying to say stay-at-home order just because it's a little less threatening than shelter-in-place. I've been doing the same thing I had been doing. The Dallas Morning News has been really good about letting us know, hey, this is happening. If you want to work from home, you can. If you don't want to work from home, and this was at the beginning, too. If we wanted to work from home, we could. We had the option, and now we're all required to work from home unless we have to go into the office to get something. But, yeah, life. Life is weird. I live in a very popular neighborhood. It's called the Bishop Arts District. It's a little south of Dallas. It is just totally dead. Anytime that I walk out there, it's just it still hits me. Like It's, still, it's so bizarre how dead my neighborhood is because it is always so lively. It's always so loud. It's not like a bad kind of loud. It's just like it's always hustle and bustle. And right now it's just completely like it's a 180. I've um, taken this time to kind of run around my city. I've been running a lot recently uh, just to get out of my apartment. And I've run downtown and it's the same thing. Like there's nobody downtown. There's nobody unless there's uh, unless construction workers are down there. It's a completely different world and very bizarre. Well, it does feel like we've entered the twilight zone for a whole season, maybe. Tell me about your job. What is your exact job? Because I, I see you on social media. You have a very hip and stylized you know, way of communicating on social media, which obviously that's sort of your thing. So tell us how you approach social media, both professionally and personally. So I am uh, part of the Dallas Morning News audience team. Uh, my official title is audience engagement producer. 
So what that means is I just, I work with all of our social media and I work with our homepage. I produce newsletters. I do just about anything. But my main focus is social media and especially Instagram. I work a lot with our Instagram. I've developed uh, a voice for our Instagram. I developed a style for our Instagram or an unofficial style, I suppose, right now. Personally and professionally, I've kind of taken from a lot of people that I am inspired by on, especially Twitter. Twitter is where I am the most active, I suppose, which is funny because I am so active on Instagram for work. Over the years, I have developed just kind of a style based on people that I have looked up to on Twitter and have watched on Twitter. One of them being an OU alum, Amy Brown. She's hilarious. She also types in all lowercase. She's smart. She's quick-witted. And I've kind of adapted my style around her and other people that are also smart and quick-witted and also in the industry. I've tried to communicate in that way. I like to think that I'm funny. I don't actually know if I'm funny. But I think that also being funny on Twitter helps me be a little more relatable to younger people. Sometimes it can come off bad to people in the industry who've been in for a while. But I'm, it's all, like anything that I say is mostly all in good fun unless I'm like tweeting about my work. And then it's just like, okay, here's my serious work. And a lot of my work also, I mean, I can, I can resume, I can continue my, like, it's part of my brand. Like I work with social media, therefore I'm still allowed to approach posting about it in the fun, youthful, exciting, funny way that I usually approach anything else that I put on the internet. On Facebook, I'm a little more, my friends and family are there. I'm not really trying to impress a lot of people. I usually just kind of put some updates about like what I'm doing at work. My team just won an award from the National Headliner Awards, uh, first place for social media. Super exciting in this really weird time where we all just got pay cuts too. Updates on things like that, um, updates on the pay cut that I just uh, received because of this virus, things that I'm working on. Those are things that I usually reserve for Facebook. I don't really go too crazy there because I don't want my family to think that I'm, I don't know, insane. And then like Instagram, it's usually usually just kind of like a snapshot into my life as anybody else uh, uses Instagram. I use Instagram stories pretty frequently. Um, Most of it is just photos of my dogs, my food that I'm making right now. I sometimes promote what I'm doing there, but not super often. I share a lot of photos from Dallas from our photographers because they are killer. I love them. But beyond that, I mean, I don't know, like... Personally, that's how I use social media. Professionally, I still kind of approach it in the same way. But obviously, from the brand account, I'm a little more reserved than I am as a person. Each platform is different, too. I mean, like, you have different audiences on different platforms. So I keep that in mind when posting different things on different platforms, especially, like, I don't know, like, anything that we put on Facebook that we put on Instagram, I make sure, like, on Instagram, it's a little more, like, I don't know, like I'm talking to a friend and then on Facebook, I'm like, oh, my mom can see this. So I have to be like, I have to play it straight. Like I have to make sure everything is there for them because then if the information is not there for them, they call us fake news and it's fun. (laughs) So you have a segmented audience. Yes, it's very segmented. I feel that's the case for a lot of media organizations i mean facebook like think about the people that are on facebook versus people that are on instagram versus people that are on reddit and twitter i want to say that our 
Facebook audience, our Facebook audience skews older. Twitter and Reddit are kind of middle-aged, older, and then Instagram is, it skews younger. So that's where I have the most fun because it is just like talking to your friends. Each week I write a um, an Instagram newsletter, just kind of rounding up five stories that we didn't put on the platform that makes sense for people to just kind of know about. It comes out each Friday. I just put out our uh, latest one this morning, and it's just kind of like highlighting uh, park closures this weekend after like weeks of the city saying, no, we're not going to close the parks, we're not going to close the parks. They're closing the parks for this weekend because of Easter, and they're just trying to combat the virus in that way uh, just by closing it. I also highlighted uh, cuts for Southwestern American Airlines because that's something that affects a lot of people. There are a lot of, like, I use stories that are kind of, that kind of appeal to a mass audience instead of specific audiences just because... I want to reach as many people as possible, and I want people who might it might not be affected by the story to think of somebody who is affected by the story and share these stories with uh, somebody that may not already follow us on Instagram. It's a very calculated, very, I don't know, it's a very curated thing for our audience. I started it when I was at the Cincinnati Enquirer and have since tailored it for our audience here and have given it a refresh and it's now an official product which is really exciting i really just started as as an experiment so it's been really cool just to get news out in a different way for that audience and especially now it's been it's been picking up just because people are turning to instagram our updates on instagram uh, regularly i don't know it's also really exciting because before this we had been posting updates on instagram obviously regularly but nobody had been sliding into our dms being like hey like thank you so much for the updates like this is really a, this is a really cool thing you're doing or hey like we like we come to you first for news here and i'm just like and now they're doing that and they're like so appreciative of what we're doing on there and I'm just like whoa like I didn't realize how many people were actually coming to us on Instagram for news that's kind of refined how I am approaching the platform especially now more and more people I mean everyone at this point um, they're just seeking this information like wherever they can get it and it doesn't matter if they're older or younger like everybody wants to know about this I have several questions though about the work that you're doing and what kind of guardrails do the adults in the room place on your team? Because obviously this is very different than the traditional straightforward news that is probably what characterized 99% of the content coming out of the Dallas Morning News. But here, here you have voice, you have some attitude, and that's what makes it popular. But at the same time, you know, it also you could run off the road at some point. We don't really have any guardrails. Um, our team, it's, that's a crazy thing to say, I suppose. We do have guardrails, but they're not necessarily um, imposed by the, the powers that be, like the editor. Like, he doesn't tell us, like, no, don't do this. As a team, like, we are very aware of just based on, like, the comments that we get, the questions that we get, what our audience is asking us. We're kind of at the whim of our audience at this point. We're trying to ask, we're trying to answer questions for them. We're trying to relay their questions to appropriate reporters. In the same vein, we're also trying to innovate. We're trying to figure out how, like, new ways to get this information that people are asking for. 
we haven't been told, yes, do this or no, do this. There's not really like a line that we are worried about crossing. If there is, we usually just pull back on what we're doing. My boss has been fantastic throughout all of this. Like I ask her questions like, hey, can we do this? Like I'm, that's basically like, I guess that's, she is basically my guardrail because I want to do everything all the time. I'm just like, wow, like let's think about this idea. Like what about this idea? Zoom is really popular now. So I was like, maybe like a few weeks ago, I was like, what if we took some of our photographers' photos? It's a very small thing, but what if we took our, some of our photographers' photos, slapped um, credit on it, slapped our logo on it, and then allowed subscribers or people in our close friends group on Instagram, allow them to use them. And and you think that's like a small thing, like we can do that in a day, but then we have to run it up the chain. We have to ask photo about it. We have to ask legal about it. We have to ask several different people about it. So I suppose that, in a sense, is my guardrail. I just ask my boss <laughs> what I can and can't do. And if we can't do something, she, she tells me, and I'm just like, all right, like that's totally fine. But I'm really just here to repurpose stories for um, Twitter and for Instagram through Twitter threads and Instagram explainers. So I'm trying to answer as many questions as possible for our audience in those ways. And if I think of something new, I usually just ask my boss. And if we're not able to do it, it's totally fine. For instance, I really wanted to do an Instagram live with one of our reporters when the stay-at-home order was placed and only, like, it defined essential businesses and what are essential businesses. And a, a lot of people were really confused about essential businesses. Like, is like is their work essential? Like, it was very specific things that our readers were asking us about, like construction and legal careers and babysitting, even uh, dog walking. And I couldn't answer any of them. And I try to answer their questions as best I can, but I usually just refer them to our reporters who know more, or I just ask our reporters. And if they don't know, um, I, I don't know, pose a question. I pose a question somewhere else, like where I just let them know, like, hey, we're looking into it. I wanted to do an Instagram because we had so many questions about that in particular. I um, wanted to do an Instagram live because it is so popular right now with one of our reporters. And so I asked about that. I had that idea while I was on a run actually. And I came back to my boss and I was like, Hey, like what if we did this? And then it turned into how do we do this kind of thing on every single platform? Because every single person wants to know about this. And I'm just like, okay, like this is too much actually. Like I don't want to do all, like I don't want to do live videos on everything. Like I was true. I was really just trying to embrace the Instagram live thing. But if we're going to try to do it on every platform, then maybe I can just, I don't know, cool it on this and use Instagram live for something different. So that didn't end up working. I'm still trying to figure out how best to use Instagram live. I do have some fun ideas with hopefully, uh, other reporters at other news outlets, but this is also just an idea in my mind. So we'll see if it actually pans out. By and large, our team is really good about deciding. We all have a good instinct like, oh, like maybe we shouldn't do this here. Maybe we shouldn't publish this here. There was a story that we ran about celebrities getting coronavirus. Nobody's going to be happy that we're posting this places. It's just, it's just a story that we 
kind of basically put up for search traffic. It didn't have anything to do with Texas. It was very, it was very, it struck all of us as very odd. And we're like, well, shouldn't we do anything with this? And we were all in agreement, like, no, we shouldn't put this on social media. We shouldn't promote this in any, like, I don't know, any big way, because it really doesn't matter to our audience. And it does, it's only going to stoke negative emotion, because these are people who are getting tests probably before people who actually need them. At least that's the conversation on online. We're not sure if there is a, uh, if that is an actual thing, but it is a source of anger among a lot of people on the internet. Our readers can get very heated, especially on Facebook and Twitter. So that was something that we were just like, you know what? No, like we're not going to do anything with this, even though the decision was already made to write it and post it. We are good at collectively turning things down when they don't feel right. Or if something is kind of iffy, we rework the headline in a different way. So I think that's actually what we ended up doing with that story about celebrity. I can't remember the exact headline at first, but then we changed it to something that would be less offensive to our audience. So yeah, like we're not, I don't know, out here being told what to do. We usually, like we have, because we're the experts in the room, we have a good idea. We have a good pulse on how our audiences will react to things, how these stories and these ideas have played out for other newsrooms across the country, um, just based on what we're like, what we're watching on social media. So if something has really tanked or like something did really poorly um, for one outlet, we're just kind of like, oh, like maybe we should retool this if we have like a similar idea or a similar story or something like that. We're reporting everything that. North Texans want to know, or at least most of everything. We try to get everything that North Texans want to know. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. If they do, they do. Um, I know that Governor Abbott took an issue with a story that we wrote about a pop-up hospital being in Dallas. An aide of his had told our county judge, if you're not going to use this, we're going to put the hospital somewhere else. We had said in the headline that he like threatened it or whatever, which I mean, it, it was a threat. And he took issue with that on Twitter in a long tweet, ended up tagging somebody that was not the Dallas News. I feel for that poor soul. But yeah, I mean, we still reported the news where that was the news. We weren't fluffing it up in any way. That was just a straight story about what was happening. We made the governor mad. We're always going to make somebody mad, but if we're not making somebody mad, are we really doing our job? So, <laughs> Well, thinking about something that doesn't make anybody mad, uh, you've mentioned your dogs a couple times, and uh, as because I follow you on Twitter, I see, and maybe even some on Facebook, I can't remember, but anyway, I, I've seen many wonderful, extremely cute, like over-the-top, <laughs> sweet pictures and you clearly love your dogs very, very much. So talk about your dogs for us. Just tell us, tell us about them. I can, I can talk for hours about my dogs. A few months ago, I only had one dog. Everybody knows him. His name is Oliver. He is a Shiba Inu mix. He is six years old and has eye problems and is very perfect. He has his own Instagram account. It's at, it's Oliver the dog, if you want to follow him. And he is just, he is the best. He's moved around with me. I got him back in 2015. He was only nine months old. Um, and he has moved around with me from job to job, Delaware, Cincinnati, Columbus, and now here. So he's been around a little bit. We re- 
recently just started fostering another dog. He's also a Shiba Inu mix. He has more lab in him. He's a little bigger. He is seven years old, and his name is Miles. He is extremely blind, and that was one of the reasons, or that was one of the things that drew me to him because my dog, as I mentioned, has eye problems. We have an ophthalmologist for him. I know it's extremely bougie. He has, again, like he has eye problems and we have to put eye drops in his eyes every day, uh, twice a day. We know our way around dog eyes now. It's a very weird thing. But that was one of the things that drew me to Miles and part of a Facebook group called the Shiba Inu Rescue of Texas because I love that breed, of course. And they posted about how he was an owner surrender. He looked really sad in his photo. And the one thing that I noticed besides his eye problems was the fact that he looks a lot like my dog already. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, we, like, my partner and I had already been talking about getting a second dog just to keep my dog company. We actually had two dogs before we moved to Dallas, but had to leave his dog behind because she was way too old to make the trip. We left her with his sister. Nothing bad happened to her. Because Ollie had kind of grown up with the second dog, we ripped him apart from that. And he had been an only dog for a little bit, which I'm pretty sure that he loved because he got undivided attention constantly he is not starving for attention ever still isn't starving for attention we had been looking for a second dog just to keep him company because he does anytime we leave he shakes and he like sometimes scratches at our door so we i saw him and i was like oh like this is a perfect this is a perfect opportunity he's close to ollie's age so let's let's throw our hat in the ring to foster i actually made the decision before telling my partner (laughs) i had uh, reached out and been like hey like i have a dog with eye problems i have an ophthalmologist we can take him there we're already looking for a second dog we're totally comfortable fostering him if you can't find a foster and this dog meanwhile is down in houston which is where the virus outbreak kind of started picking up more than in dallas at the time so that was that was an interesting point which i'll bring up here in a second so i did that and then I texted my partner and I was like hey just letting you know I did this and he was like oh okay that's fine I was like whoa I didn't (laughs) I didn't think you're gonna be totally cool with it fast forward uh we ended up being the people that they picked of course and this woman was down in Houston she called me and was just asking me about just our apartment and our other dog and like was telling me about this dog one of the things that she mentioned while we were on the phone was that she and her husband had been getting over a chest cold and it like did not register to me at all oh like this could be coronavirus (laughs) like it just did not register to me at all and I was like oh okay like that's I mean I'm sorry that you feel that like I'm sorry that you're feeling bad right now um I hope that you feel better soon and another uh reason it didn't phase me was because we met up with her the very next day down in Corsicana and it's it's a like basically a halfway point between Houston and uh, Dallas it's where the Netflix documentary Cheer was filmed I'm sure a lot of people will know about that so we met her at a rest stop in Corsicana picked up this dog I hugged her three or four times because that is just who I am we were just on our merry way back home and so a few days later a lot of people from my office had returned from the NICAR conference where somebody had been tested or somebody had uh after the fact been tested positive for coronavirus and we had I think nine people go to that conference so all of them were in quarantine and then the Houston thing started picking up and I was just like oh 
I just got a dog from Houston, like this big, this big place where, (laughs) where coronavirus is growing in Texas. This is probably not a good thing. And so I just kind of like monitored myself for a while. I still went to work after a few days. I started like develop, like started feeling a little, like a little bad. And I was just like, oh God, did I get this cold that this woman had? Do I have coronavirus? Like I was like, I don't know. So, um, so I told my boss, like I picked up this dog or I started fostering this dog from Houston. Um, I told her, I told her the situation. I told her about this woman and her, her chest situation. And I was, if I do have this, I do not want to risk giving it to anybody else in the newsroom. Do you mind if I just start working from home? She was totally cool with it. She was like, yeah, this was a day before my team in particular started working from home as a trial run to see if we could all do it in case we all had to start working from home. That's a quaint idea (laughs) in retrospect. We all started working from home that day. And then the rest of the newsroom started working from home the day after that just to see if we could put out a paper while we were all working from home no surprise we did we've all been working from home since then it's been kind of weird because the editor had been kind of back and forth oh well if you want to go to the office you can but if you want to stay home like just ask your boss and it just kind of evolved from there like if you want to if you want to go in you can and and to, to don't go in at all like you're you're totally fine to stay home we're all staying home now like this is a bad situation and it's kind of interesting because before all of this started happening our newsroom was very proactive in realizing and recognizing that this was going to be a big thing and so we got a like a group of editors together I think early February maybe at least I think it was early February, they all decided like, okay, like this is a big thing. Here's how we're going to attack it from all angles of the newsroom. It wasn't a surprise to any of us that this was happening. But at the same time, like looking back at it, I'm just like, wow, now we're all at home and we don't know like if we're going, like when we're going to see everybody next. Like I ran into a coworker because my job like keeps me at home. Like I don't need to go out and report anywhere. I don't need to take photos of anything. Like I don't need to do anything outside. I haven't gotten the chance to see any of my coworkers except for on zoom and there was one day where i took my new dog miles to the vet for a checkup and one of my coworkers was there too with his dog and i had absolutely no idea that he was going to be there i had absolutely no idea he still went to that vet because he lives in arlington which is about like 25 30 minutes away from dallas and so i ran into him there and i was like oh my god hi like i haven't seen you in so long like you would have like i think i tweeted about it and i was like you would have thought that we hadn't seen each other in like 10 years because of our reaction. We were like, oh my goodness, like, how's it going? Again, like I mentioned, like I'm a hugger. Like I, I don't know, like I just hug people. And this was like, I don't know, just such a different interaction. Like me and my partner and my coworker, Charlie, were all like standing like in a triangle, like six, six feet apart. And it was just like, it was so bizarre the way that this virus has developed so quickly here when we didn't really think that it was going to be as big as it is. We have a story on our website, even we spoke to, I think a Chinese consulate here in Texas, or I think it was in Houston. He told us like, no, like you don't have anything to worry about. It's not going to be, it's not going to be that big. And here we are. (laughs) It's been pretty bizarre. Is it getting tougher as it gets uh, longer? We have newsroom mentors, and I was talking to my mentor the other day about how 
I worked from home for two years for the Inquirer. So I am primed for this. Like, this is easy for me. When I was working from home for the Inquirer, I was still able to just go out with my friends, like go out to a bar, go out to a restaurant, you know? So this has been difficult because I can't do those things. I am restricted from doing those things and I'm restricted from seeing people in the office. And I had just started getting, I mean, I've been here for a year now and I have just started getting used to like being back in an office and thriving in an office environment. And now I'm just kind of like, oh, how did I do this for two years? Like, I, again, like it's still easy for me, but I'm like, I don't know how I survived this for two years because all of my best ideas come in the office. Like I am surrounded by talent constantly. And now it's just kind of like, I feel a little lost in that way. So I think like my biggest, my biggest issue with it is just, I can't be surrounded by my coworkers anymore. We can have zoom conversations, but it's just not the same feeling. It's not like I don't get inspired by our zoom meetings. I'm constantly like, I don't know, I get inspired by just like being near them and having these conversations constantly, just walking to somebody's desk and being like, hey, do you have a minute to chat about this thing that's on my mind right now? Whereas here, it's just kind of like, oh, I'm going to slack this to somebody. Hopefully they see it. Hopefully they respond. Talking to somebody versus like in person versus Slack is like completely different because things can get lost in translation and Slack, whereas in person, like people know like how excited I am about it. And like, I'm able to just kind of ramble a little bit longer than I am on Slack. And so like, I think that is the biggest issue for me is just like not being able to be in the office. Otherwise, I mean, I think I'm handling it pretty well. Ollie and Miles get me out of the apartment multiple times a day to just go on a walk which is good. I'm a runner. I run all the time anyway. I've just been running way more recently. So for like, just to get out of the house, but also to relieve stress to just kind of like I touched on earlier, what my neighborhood is like, what other neighborhoods are like right now, just to kind of like wave at people and say, hi, like I need that interaction still. That's killing me. I'm holding up fine, but I also can't wait for this to be over because I just want to be back in the newsroom. <laughs> I also want to travel. Like I, my uh, best friend, her bachelorette party was going to be in Athens in July, and I'm not sure if that's going to be happening still. So I'm crossing my fingers it can, but at the same time, I'm not sure, but like what airlines are going to be like then or what our financial situation is going to be like then. That's another thing that is just kind of killing me is like, okay, like once this is all over, I know that life as we knew it before isn't going to resume as normal. So how long is it going to take me to go back to places like Athens, going to see my mom and sister, going to see my dad for his 60th birthday? Like what it like, am I going to be able to do any of those things this year? So that's another thing that's been kind of driving me nuts. (laughs) So hopefully I'm able to do those things, but I'm not sure because who knows when this is going to be over. In a way, that's what binds us all together now is this uh, uncertainty and having to find ways of uh, living a new normal that we don't know how long is going to be our life. Mallory Sullivan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I really-